Well, this morning we are closing out a series uh, that, that I think is, is just such a valuable thing for us to spend time thinking about, is, is what should our relationships look like in light of what Christ has done for us, in light of what Jesus has done, in light of what God is, has, is doing in us and through us, how is it that we relate to each other. So we, over the last, the last three weeks, now this is week four, the last three weeks we've talked about things like re, that our relationships should be fearless, right? That, that we, should, we should focus primarily on our relationship with God, that we should chase after him and allow the relationships that we have with others to be, to be marked by and to be shaped by that particular foundation. We've talked about what it looks like for us to, to move from selfishness to selflessness, to say that, that, that our relationships shouldn't just be about what we get out of them, but, but what we put into them, right? What, what is it that, that we invest, or how, what is it that we are doing for others? Last week, Brent talked about relationships that are marked by forgiveness. And uh, for some of us, that is uh, maybe one of those pieces that's, that's maybe the hardest part, right? Because once trust is broken, or once we feel like someone's not trustworthy, for them to, to figure out a way or find a way back into the right relationship with us, if, if we're not participating in the forgiveness part of the process, then, then that relationship breaks down. And again, as I've said over the course of, uh, of this series, this is not just about romance, right? This is not just about, uh, you know, those like, romantic relationships, but this is the, about the way that we relate to each other. Because the reality is the way that we relate to each other often is the way that we relate to God as well. So the way we treat other people, we tend to apply that same thing, either in how we relate to God or how we expect God to relate to us. And so we look and, and, we, and we see the, the brokenness in, in terms of um, the way that, that maybe we even lack hope in relationships. This is what we're talking about this morning, this idea that relationships should be transformational, right? That we should do things to, to help people move forward. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes this, verse 4 to 7, he says this, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Because as Paul says here, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And so as we've walked through this month of February, we've taken the, the primary elements of this passage, those things when Paul describes what love is, what he's really doing is describing the way that Christ operates, right? Because this is what, what Christ, as, as God's love embodied for us, has shown up, taken on flesh for us. The reality is this process, the, the, the journey towards healthy relationships, starts with us getting over ourselves, right? And then it becomes about how then we relate to other people. The piece that we're looking at this morning in this particular theme or in this, in this passage is the always hopes aspect of it, where, where love always imagines that what could be is better than what is, right? That, that we meet people where they are and we, we, we love them where they are, but then we would imagine this, this way forward. We could imagine something better for them than what currently is. Right? That's what transformational relationships look like. When we look at someone or we, we look at, at the, the lives of those around us and we say, we, we, don't, just, we don't just meet you where you are, but, but we, we care enough about you to help you with that next step and to walk with you on the next step and the next step and the next step. The reality is this, though, that we, we swim within a culture, right? We operate within a culture. And so uh, the, the cultural reality, the piece that, 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 that marks the world around us is this, that, um, that we expect to be accepted, Right? This is the problem. We expect to be accepted, but we reject the need for change. Right? We expect to be accepted, but we reject the need for change. We have somewhere along the line, 
Somewhere along the line, we have traded something that is good and right for something that's just less. We, we've, we've taken love and we've turned it into acceptance. Right? We've taken love and we've said, I, I, just, I, I can't even imagine that I, that I could be loved, so if I could just be accepted. Right? Or maybe another word that, that kind of bounces around in this context would be that, that if I could just even be tolerated. Right? We, we would like for, 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 to be accept, for acceptance and tolerance, which is so different which is so different than actually being loved in a way that, that helps us move forward to where we should be. That we expect as a culture, we expect as a people, that, that people will accept us right where we're at. Right? That, that we expect that, that people will tolerate even the misbehavior, even the things that are, that are hurtful to ourselves. And so we expect to be accepted, but we reject the need for change. There is something that rises up in us when, when someone tries to, what feels like metal in our lives. Say, look, I want to be accepted and I want my, my behaviors to be tolerated. I want the way I'm living to be tolerated. That, that the cultural reality that we, that we come to when we talk about the tension that exists between hope, between, between love that imagines something better for someone than what is. That we expect to be accepted, but we reject the need for change. Accepted is not the same as loved. Accepted is something less than loved. Right? Accepted... In many ways, you talk spiritually speaking or you talk relationally speaking is, is, is settling for table scraps when we've been invited to the feast. Right? It's, it's settling for something that, that's just less than that because as a culture, as a people, we're desperate for love. Right? We're desperate to, to be loved, but we can't imagine. We can't imagine that we could actually be loved in a way that, that, that's reflected in Scripture, what Jesus describes, what love actually looks like. That we expect to be loved right where we are, but we reject the to where, right? We love people where they are and to where they should be. And so now, now as we talk about this definition, as we talk about the cultural definition, we talk about the, the reality of the way we tend to operate, we look at that and, and it's something so different than what, than what God is describing through Paul as he writes, as he, as he describes this, this love that's patient, that's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, right? Rejoices when, when we move past evil or out of evil into, into a life of truth. That love always protects, right? Acceptance does not always protect. Tolerance does not always protect. Love always trusts. Acceptance does not always trust. Tolerance does not always trust. Love always hopes. Acceptance or tolerance does not always hope. That love always perseveres. Simply being accepted is not something that persists. It's not something that, that perseveres. But we look at hope. We look at our relationships with the, with the, the lens that, that Jesus offers us as we look at people and we say, look, I believe Right? I believe that you are loved. I believe that right where you're at, right how, like just how you are, that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Right? I believe that. But I also believe that, that Jesus came to make a way for us into a better way of living. Right? That I believe that, that when God gets a hold of us, that, that we're not just saved from things, but we're saved to a way of living. So we're invited to this transformational journey. We're invited not just to take the journey for ourselves, but we're invited to journey with other people to, 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 get other, to help other people get there as well. And so a story that has meant a lot to me over the years, actually my, even like almost tied in with my call to ministry, was a story that for some might be surprising because it's a story that 
if we grew up potentially in the church or we grew up around like flannel graphs and, and you know, Sunday school stories and all those kinds of things, we know the story of Zacchaeus, right? He was a wee little man and a wee little... Was that, is that how it goes, something like that? Yep. Um, was he there? Julie's just going to... Can we just have the band come back up and we'll just close with that song? Uh, <laughs> that took me back. That was not in my notes. That was just a like... Um, but it's the story of Zacchaeus and... And it's a powerful story if we can, I mean, we can appreciate it as, as the Sunday school story as it is, as the, as the sing-song song that it is. Um, but, but it's something deeper than that, right? This is this encounter that Jesus has with this man that's this, this tax collector that, that it's, it's a radically transformational interaction that Jesus has with Zacchaeus to look and see what, what do we learn by the way that, from the way that, that Jesus meets him where he's at. What does that story look like? What does the conversation unfold? What is it that we should do in response to, to what Christ did in relationship with Zacchaeus. And so in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, it says this, that, that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Right, so there's two, there's two things that we know about Zacchaeus. There's a third that, that we'll learn in just a moment, but um, it's actually what the song was written about. But um, the, the, the two things that, that right at the, the introduction to Zacchaeus, this, this person, as he's being introduced, it says that he's the chief tax collector which doesn't necessarily mean that he was positionally the head of all the tax collectors in that area. That, that, that for the, for in that time, there was these, these people who were tax collectors, which were at least, you know, probably no more popular than what tax collectors would be now. Um, and so, uh, so, so Zacchaeus is, is, the, is a tax collector, but the, the story is recorded that he was the chief tax collector, which wasn't necessarily that he was the head of the tax collectors, but if I can get this right, that he was the, maybe the, the tax collectoriest of tax collectors. Does that make sense? Like he is like the, like, I think I actually did get that right. I was practicing that this week, trying to make sure I got it, that, that he's the tax collectoriest of tax collectors. Like when you look at like who is the most tax collector among, among this group, that you have like tax collectors, and then you have Zacchaeus, who's the most like what a tax collector would be expected to be like, that that's who this guy is. And that he's wealthy, so he's a man of, of, of some sort of status, at least in terms of his wealth, in terms of his ability to provide for himself. Right? That, that he, has, he has done his job, that he's actually maybe even found his identity in his job or in his wealth. That, that here's this man who, who has that, that sort of privilege that comes with the position that he has and the, and the way that he's approached his job, that, that he's managed to accumulate for himself some wealth. Right, probably has some influence, probably has some, some sort of like involvement in the, in the community around him. But Zacchaeus is missing something. And so in verse 3, we see this, that, that this Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming through, that he's coming through Jericho, and he wants to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So here's Zacchaeus, this tax collector, this tax collectorist tax collector, and this, this wealthy man, this guy who, who has accumulated for himself all sorts of things that, that would make him feel like he's got life figured out, right? That if, if, if life is about accumulation, if life is about really investing and involving oneself into their position, so much so that, that they, are, they become an embodiment of the particular job that they have, if, if Zacchaeus has, has, has become that, and he realizes that he's missing something. And maybe in this moment, all he's missing is that, is that there's this celebrity coming into town. And Zacchaeus wants to know who this person is. That he realizes that probably, you know, as I'm reading into the story a little bit here, that, that Zacchaeus, what would take a man like that to, to climb a tree, to, to kind of, in an undignified kind of way, for a grown man to climb up in a tree is like an unusual situation. It was then and it would be now. But 
but he didn't want to miss out, right? He has this fear of missing out on this big event that's happening, that, that Jesus, by this point in the story, has, has, has become somewhat famous, that, that people expect him to do pretty extraordinary things. And, and so Zacchaeus, now, part of this, this story is, is that him, he's just not wanting to miss out on what's happening. And so he's into the crowd and, and probably not wanting to, as the buzz of the crowd goes away, as Jesus passes through and the, the conversations about what happened, that, that Zacchaeus wants to, wants to be in the in crowd, wants to know what's happening. And so he runs ahead and he climbs up this tree so he can see Jesus, right? Because Jesus is coming that way. And then verse 5, when Jesus reached that spot, right? This story takes this turn. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down, right? Come down immediately for I must stay at your house today. And so Zacchaeus comes down at once and welcomes him gladly, right? You can imagine this, this moment here, the, 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 good, the good fortune of Zacchaeus that, that he was not even just in the crowd, that, that his, his stature was such that he had to climb up into a tree, that he just wanted to see who Jesus was. And then, and then Jesus, as he passes, picks Zacchaeus out of the crowd and says, Zacchaeus, let's have a conversation, right? This, this guy who, who, who was just simply wanting to see is now experiencing, he's now involved in this conversation with Jesus, Zacchaeus was, a, was in a come and see moment, and Jesus initiates a conversation. And the conversation, as we see it plays out, it moves from, from come and see to, to, to welcome me in and have your story be radically transformed, right? Have your story be changed, that, that Jesus initiates the conversation, that all Zacchaeus has done up to this point is climb a tree, Right? And Jesus comes and, and, and sees Zacchaeus in the midst of the crowd and, and in the tree in a probably rather undignified kind of, kind of way because he's a guy that's just climbed this tree. And Jesus looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, we need to talk. Right? We need to have a conversation. Would you welcome me into your home so that we can spend some time together? And so the story begins to play out. It's not just Jesus and Zacchaeus having this conversation, but now, but now there's the crowd that's around them right? because there's people that are witnessing this thing happen. And it says this, that, that all the people, all the people around saw this and they began to mutter, right? Mutter, is not, that's not exactly a like, way that you'd like to be remembered in terms of communication, but they said that, that, that he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, which forces us to ask ourselves a question. In this story, would we be muttering with the crowd, right? In this story, as we, as we see Jesus welcoming Zacchaeus in or asking, Jesus, or asking Zacchaeus to welcome him in, that, that there's this crowd, the context in which this conversation is happening is, is the, the cultural reality, the, the, the people around, the, the crowd that has gathered around, they're, they're looking at this story and they're looking at Zacchaeus and, and maybe some of them even knowing specifically who he is and, and given what they're saying about him, they have this picture of, of Zacchaeus being all, being all that Zacchaeus will ever be. Right? And so they look and they say, why in the world would Jesus give him any time? Right? Why in the world would Jesus invest himself in this guy? Because he's a sinner. So now we're not even talking acceptance. We're talking rejection. We're not talking any kind of hope for Zacchaeus. We're not talking any kind of progress for Zacchaeus. We're just simply saying what he is is the best he's ever going to be, that his best days are behind him, that, that he will never be more than what he is. And that's the crowd gathered around. That's the conversation that, the conversation that Jesus and Zacchaeus are, are having. Are, it's, in, it's in the midst of that with the murmurs and the muttering of the crowd that, that there's the noise. This is what's happening as, as Zacchaeus, in some ways, as he's up in the tree, he's, he's not even just trying to get out of the crowd to be able to see Jesus, but in some ways he's got to get out of the crowd just to be able to even hear him. Right over the rejection, over the, 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 the lack of imagination for his future. 
So the question that we need to ask as we look at this moment is, is, is where would we fall in? Would we fall in with the crowd? Or are we going to fall in with Jesus, right? Because that's, the, that's what the, the heart of this story really is, 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 is where are we going to stand? With what, with what group are we going to throw in our voices? Are we going to throw in our voice with Jesus? Or are we going to throw in our voice with the crowd? But Zacchaeus, verse 8, stood up because he's now focused on the fact that Jesus is paying attention to him. He's now focused on the fact that, yeah, there's muttering and murmuring. I'm sure he's not like, missing all of that, but he realizes that this is a moment. Right? This is a moment that changes everything. This is a transformational moment. This is a window in his life that, that, that's going to change everything for him. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Zacchaeus, they're talking about this sinner, they're talking about this tax collector, this guy who's accumulated the the wealth off the backs of other people, that that, that he's speaking to Jesus and saying, look, all those things that I've been holding on to, all those things that that would make me feel like I'm safe and secure, would make me feel like I've built a good life for myself, I'm, I'm just simply going to open my hands and give them back. Right? Because what I care about is, is this relationship that, that I have with you, this conversation that I'm having with you. And it's important for us to, to realize in this moment that, that Zacchaeus is not trying to earn Jesus' effect, Jesus's affection, that Jesus has already initiated the conversation, that Jesus has already called him out, that, that Jesus has already asked him to invite him into his home, that he's already in, inviting Zacchaeus to, to take this transformational step, that Zacchaeus isn't doing all of this to try and get Jesus to do something. This is not a transactional moment. This is a moment where Zacchaeus has encountered Jesus in such a way that he begins to look at everything, his status, his stature, the the things that he's accumulated for himself, that he looks at them in a different kind of way, that he's not trying to earn Jesus' affection, he's responding to it. That's a big difference. And so over the noise of the crowd, over the muttering and the murmuring, Zacchaeus had to make a decision about how he was going to respond. Who was it that he was going to listen to? Because there's always going to be a crowd. There's always going to be people that are muttering around us, that are telling us that we don't measure up, that are, that are telling us that, that there's no way Jesus would speak to you because you have made so many mistakes. And so the question is, are we going to be like Zacchaeus and we're going to listen to the voice that matters? Or are we going to let the crowd hold us back? But what's interesting is the crowd is sidelined in this story. The, those that are muttering and murmuring and, and speaking accusing things are, are, are just pushed to the margins of the story because there's, there's people around, but Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, this is your opportunity. Right? Zacchaeus, this is a moment for you. What are you going to do? That Zacchaeus and Jesus are, are ignoring the noise of the crowd. That it's not just about Zacchaeus getting up physically high enough to see over people, but, but it's about getting out of the noise of the crowd. And the crowd is being ignored by both Jesus and Zacchaeus. They're having this conversation. But then Jesus speaks, and he speaks to Zacchaeus in a way that, that he's expecting that the crowd is going to listen, that, that he's offering hope to Zacchaeus, but, but he's also rebuking the crowd around that's, that's gathered around. That, that Jesus then says this, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That contact, that contact with Jesus has transformed Zacchaeus, right? All the things that have marked Zacchaeus' life up to this point, everything that, that is the kind of the, the sum of his life up to this point is, is now, and now fades into the background as he has this contact with Jesus, as he's now seen Jesus, but then has now heard from Jesus, that Jesus is now speaking to him. And Jesus says, all those other things don't matter, right? All the things that would, would separate him from the crowd, would separate him from the people of God are are, are, are now melted into the background. They're not the thing that defines who he is. 
that Zacchaeus is not to be separated from the people of God, that he's to be included in with the people of God, that this is a transformational conversation, that, that Jesus is speaking to Zacchaeus, but, but he's bringing the crowd into the conversation because Zacchaeus is going to have to live this out in the context of the people around him. And Jesus is saying, I'm putting my stamp on him, right? Because tomorrow it's going to be more difficult for you guys to remember who this is. That if all you hear is that Zacchaeus and I are having a conversation, but you haven't heard Jesus say, he's one of us. Right, this is mine. Now, Jesus is speaking to Zacchaeus, but bringing the crowd into the conversation. That, that as he speaks to Zacchaeus, he's giving him a new identity. He's giving him even a new reputation. And then Jesus says, because this is what I came to do. Right? If you ever wondered what it is that Jesus came to do, did he come just to do miracles? Did he come to, to teach people things? Did he come to kind of, kind of like just dwell among us? But Jesus says, look, I came for a very specific purpose. I came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus is speaking to the crowd. He's speaking to Zacchaeus. He's he's speaking to all who would hear and say, this just happened right in front of you. You've had a front row seat to, to Jesus doing exactly what the Jesus mission would suggest that he would do because he came to seek and save the lost that the crowd, that Zacchaeus, that that the disciples that have been traveling with him, that, that they all saw this happen right in front of them. This one who had been marginalized because of his reputation, because of his, his status within the community, because of all the things that, that had marked his life up to this point. This one who was, who was unable to even get out of the noise and the, of the crowd to be able to see who Jesus was with, without having to do something that was uncomfortable. Jesus looks and he sees him. He says, this is who you are. And this is who I am. I came to seek and save people like Zacchaeus, right? To seek and save the lost, despite the opposition of the crowd, despite the logistical challenges, despite the status and stature of Zacchaeus, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. To look at this story as something more than just a sing-song, kind of Sunday school song, to look at it as a, as a story of Jesus making it so clear the way he, he came to operate in this world, to, to say this is what relationships should look like, that, that we see someone where they are, and it might be in an uncomfortable kind of setting, or it might be something where there's so much noise in the crowd, there's so much about their reputation and their background and, and kind of their backstory that would suggest that, that, the, that the future is not all that bright. That Jesus says, this is what I came to do. Right? I came for guys like Zacchaeus who are, who are having to, to work in undignified kind of ways to, to get up out of the crowd, to, to see who I am, to, to have this conversation with me. And Jesus says, this is exactly what I came to do. This is what our relationship should be marked by. If we're, if we're calling to love like Jesus, if we're called to love like Jesus, if we're called to, to pursue Christ-likeness in our lives, then, then we have to look and say, so, so how did he love? What did his relationships look like? And we see Jesus seeing Zacchaeus where he was, but then loving him to where he should be, right? Not just accepting or tolerating, but actually hoping for him. And so this morning, for us to remember or understand what this looks like, to to recognize that we each have our own Zacchaeus story, that we each have a story of of having the crowd around us, right? Or maybe we're in the midst of it. Maybe we we don't even know what the end of it looks like. Maybe for some of us this morning, Thank you. If this is true for you, thank you for, for being here and trusting us with this moment in your journey. Where if the story is incomplete, where it's just the seeking part, where it feels like we've been running, where it feels like we're, we're in the noise of the crowd, where there's no chance that we can see who Jesus was because of our status, because of, because of this, our, our stature, whatever it is that, that's creating a separation between, between Jesus and us. And so we're seeking and we're seeking and we're trying to see who he is. 
The story is incomplete. Or maybe we just don't realize that we've had this Zacchaeus story yet. But we each have our own Zacchaeus story, and it's probably more than what we came for. It's more than just simply wanting to see who Jesus is, that, that Jesus says we can start there, but, but the invitation is going to be to something more than that, 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 that Jesus has met us right where we are, right? No matter where you are on the journey, no matter where, where the, the, the direction that your steps have taken you, the mistakes that you've made, the, the way that you've messed things up, the, the status that you feel like you have, the noise that's, that's around you that makes you feel like you could never measure up, Hear Jesus speak, not to, to reinforce the opinions of the crowd, to not reinforce the, the way that the, the noise of the crowd keeps Zacchaeus from hearing. But Jesus says, I came for this, Zacchaeus. I came to, to, to live and die and make a way for you, to rise, rise again from the dead because I care about you. I came to seek and save the lost that we have our own Zacchaeus story, that there's this moment in our lives or moments in our lives where the, the attention of God is on us, right? Where, where we move, maybe for some of us, that we're moving from hiding in fear to, to being found and transformed, to recognize that right where we are, in the midst of the noise, in the, in the midst of the crowd, that, that we have a story that's bigger and better, that it's not just about where we are, right? That, that God meets us where we are, but, but he takes us forward, we each have our own Zacchaeus story, which lets us do part, the, the second thing, which means which is we should love like Jesus, right? When we have the recognition that, maybe for some of us, we've, we've traveled so far that we almost forget the, our origin story. We forget the, the, the grace that was extended to us. But when we remember, when we remember that we have a Zacchaeus story, then, then it makes it easier for us to love like Jesus, Right? in a world that's desperate to be loved, in a world that's desperate to, to be loved so much so that, they'll settle, that we'll settle for something less, we'll, we'll settle for acceptance and tolerance because we can't imagine the love that Jesus has for us, that we need to see it, right? that, 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 that the world, those around us, need to see it through us to recognize that we have good news. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We have nothing to hide from. When we, when we talk about the good news that we have, when we talk about what it is that God's teaching us, when we talk about what, what Jesus talks about, that we have nothing to be ashamed of because we have good news for people, that we have something better than being tolerated. We have something better than just being accepted. We have the, the opportunity to be loved and not just loved where, but to where we should be, that we love people where they are and to where they should be. And this morning, how does that play out? We, we've talked about Zacchaeus. We've, we've talked about Jesus. We've talked about the crowd. But there's a character in this story that for us as a church, for us as a people, I think we need to, to spend some time thinking about what this looks like, that we are called, that we're called to be the tree. Right? In the midst of this story, in the middle of this story, in the middle of the crowd, there's this, there's this tree along the side of the road emerged at some point well before this story happened, but was there for the moment that Zacchaeus needed to be able to see Jesus. That this tree, in whatever kind of inadequacies it had, and whatever kind of weaknesses that it had, and whatever it was, it, it was, it was enough. It was enough to, to hold Zacchaeus up for as long as it took for him to encounter Jesus, right? For him to see Jesus, Say, what does it look like for us as, as people who are trying to follow Jesus? What does it look like for us as a church to be the tree, to say we will do everything we can to, to, to stand strong, to do whatever it takes to, to hold people up as long as it takes for them to see Jesus, for them to have this transformational encounter with him, to, to say that, that we exist to be the tree. 
in the middle of the story. We're not the crowd throwing accusations. We're not the crowd doubting whether or not Jesus could, could do what he came to do. We're simply saying we're here, right? We're here because we care about transformation. We're here because we care about people, because we value people. We say, what does it take? Whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes. The, the deep roots and the strong branches that it takes for a tree to be able to hold someone up as long as it takes for them to, to get out of the noise of the crowd, to get out of the noise of their lives, to see Jesus clearly, to have that transformational encounter with him. And so it starts with us. Right? It starts with us allowing God to do a work in us, and then it, then it moves to us allowing God to do a work through us so that we see the world differently so that we move from I want to be accepted and tolerated for who I am to we're going to love people where they are and to where they should be, whatever it takes, as long as it takes. May it be true.